up, everything? Hockey news is drying up quicker than Brendan Leipzig's DMs, but we'll do our best this week as we discuss the 50th anniversary of Bobby Orr's so-called flying goal, the aforementioned Brendan Leipzig nonsense, and who might become the Blues captain if Alex Petrangelo leaves. But please don't stay forever, Alex. So let's get started and let's sign Petrangelo. Day to all the moms that probably have better things to do than listen to this podcast. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to our moms who will not listen to this podcast. I was going to say, hi, mom. She doesn't. She's not <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're very loved and supported in our other endeavors, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, she knows I do this and I think she tries to forget. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing good for, you know, for week. What is this? Week like eight of like virus times, <laughs> week nine of the virus times. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Yeah, the weather is nice, you know, and mm-hmm. it feels like we're, you know, starting to come out of it. I guess Missouri opens up or St. Louis County and city open up on the 18th a mm-hmm. little bit. So it feels like we're we're on the downslope, even though obviously that doesn't mean the threat is totally gone. You know, it still feels like there's a little more light at the end of the tunnel than there has been. Mm-hmm. Sports. There's, there's actual plans in place. Yeah, sports are going from like, oh, I don't know if this is going to happen to like, this is probably going to happen. Here's the plan, you know, even if the plan is just a rumor now sort of thing, you know, so it's uh, it's good. You know, people still a lot of still a lot of work to do, but, you know, I think we're getting better, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, we, uh, you know, hockey has dried up <laughs> as far as news <laughs> to talk about. Uh We've got some very skeletal notes, maybe the most skeletal notes we've ever had, but... Spooky. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. No, that's not for... That's not for six months yet. Uh, seven <laughs> months. But, um, yeah. Will just... Halloween happen this year? <laughs> Will there be a Halloween? Halloween. Yeah. I guess everybody's going to have masks on anyway, right? That's the yeah. that's the most socially acceptable oh, thing. Oh, you're right. <laughs> 
Uh, Normally kids are staying away from each other. You know, you're in your little group, but you're not around the other groups. I think, you know, and I think Halloween's made for this. Yeah, I think Halloween. I think Although we should have more Halloween. More, you know, <laughs> following up. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so we're going to we're going to go with what notes we have. We're going to talk randomly. Folks know how our episodes go when we do that. They probably either love them or hate them. Apologies in advance to those of you in the latter category. Yeah, yeah. Tune out now. Uh, I guess we can start with uh, with this little nugget. Today is the 50th anniversary of the most overrated goal in the history of the NHL. Mm. Um, and, you know, no, the Bobby Orr quote-unquote flying goal is today. And it is very iconic. And, you know, when we say overrated, I'm sure we sound like butthurt Blues fans. I'm not that butthurt. It happened <laughs> 21 years before I was born, you know? So... I'm not that upset about it, but, um, you know, iconic goal in hockey history. But I think when you look back at the circumstances that it was like a game four victory in a series that they were completely sweeping and destroying. And, you know, it was a foregone conclusion that whoever came out of the East was going to win, beat whoever came out of the West. I don't know what the conferences were called at that time. So that is probably incorrect, but, um, you know, because the, the way the NHL did it, as most Blues fans probably know, is they had the, the new expansion six teams be in their own conference, and they had the original six teams be in their own conference, which was a cool idea insofar as it meant, you know, the, the new teams had a playoff that mattered. Uh, and they got, you know, one of them was guaranteed a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals. It was not cool in the fact that it meant that one of them was uh, guaranteed to be bludgeoned in the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> and for the first, was it three years that was us? Yeah, was the first, first three years, the Blues went to the Finals each year and got swept. So those were our uh, only Stanley Cup appearances until the most recent one, which had, as most of you know, a, a much happier ending, also against the Boston Bruins. So, um, yeah, I mean... Bobby Orr is one of the greatest players of all time, no question. This is his most iconic moment, the most iconic moment, you know, maybe the single most iconic NHL moment. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe a little, a little overdone, overplayed. I don't know. What are your thoughts on the Bobby Orr goal? Uh, he's, he's been tripped. He's being tripped by a goalie, and it should have been a penalty. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where... It's an iconic picture. The more I look at it and dissect it, especially the one you're used to seeing where it's very up close of him, mm -hmm. it does look kind of weird. If you're not, if you don't like follow hockey that much, you're kind of like, I don't, I would feel like I don't understand. Yeah. Why is he in the air? Like, what's happening? Especially some of these, the goal is completely like the goal post itself is out of the picture. So you're mm -hmm. like, so a man's about to die. <laughs> like, he's about to slam his face against the ice. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 Nice to be part of hockey history is the nicest <laughs> way I can put it for the Blues. Like my dad likes to joke that a lot of NFL records or a lot of like amazing NFL plays made by a multitude of different teams always show the uh, Minnesota Vikings on the receiving end uh -huh. of those plays. Like, oh, the longest reception ever, like a double fumble into a into a <laughs> touchdown. And it's always the Vikings just flubbing it. Yeah, and he's like, oh boy. So this is this is my version of that, but. It's interesting. I still, I, I disconnect myself like you were kind of talking about from this moment because it's just so, so far in the past. And 
beyond you know any fandom I ever had, and I can't even tell you what maybe one of the or players was on the Blues or not or one of the uh, Plager players on the Blues. I don't even know if that's I true. It was probably Glenn Hall in that. But yeah, uh, I think that's Noel Picard who passed away a year uh, or two ago. Like in the picture behind him, looking like grimacing, like oh, shit. <laughs> I've been I'm in this picture for life. <laughs> yeah, I I think you know. It's just, it's a great moment, but it means, you know, it probably means more to older fans, and that's not mm-hmm. an insult in any way. It's just, you know, they were there, and we weren't. Um, a couple of fun things. Well, first of all, it was not a flying goal. That always bothers me. It was a mm-hmm. standing goal, and then he fell down after it was in the net. <laughs> uh, but he fell down in such a ridiculous fashion that it looks like he was flying through the air. Uh, mm-hmm. But a little side note for those who may not know, the voice, the grainy voice you hear screaming, Bobby Orr, if you ever watched the footage of that game, was uh, Dan Kelly's father, or John Kelly's father, Dan Kelly. Uh, for anyone that didn't know, that was a game he called, I'm pretty sure. So... You know, that's another cool tie into the blues, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, when I look, when I look at these pictures, two things I always take away, and it's not even like in the forefront; it's in the background. It's like, hey, I always find it really interesting when there's no advertisements on the boards at all, mm-hmm. boards, and then also looking at the crowd, and it's like, I love that people are dressed up like they're going to like a Broadway show. Yes, like people are like in their nice clothes at a hockey game. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that I can abide by. Um, I'm, this is a not, you know, tangent number one of the podcast, but (laughs) I find it interesting how St. Louis is so often tied to national broadcasters, you know, who are Mm -hmm. from the region. I mean, when you think about it over and over, I mean, Dan Kelly wasn't from St. Louis originally. I think he was Canadian, but, um, you know, he, he located here and, you know, was our regional guy and then was the national guy and, and Joe and, and Jack Buck of course, and uh, Bob Costas, and uh, what's the, Tim McCarver, like, it just seems like, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe we've got, you know, really good broadcasting in the area, or I know the St. Louis dialect is often, you know, kind of prized for, like, non-regional, um, <laughs> like, broadcasting dialect, as long as you're not saying farty far, you know. Oh, yeah, we Washington. Have a, <laughs> we have a pretty unaccented uh, manner of speaking American English, so that could be a factor, but it's just, it's just an interesting little, I don't know, you know, obviously not as much in football, although I guess that's what Joe Buck does. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know why that is. If anyone knows, you know, feel free to call in live, and uh, we'll put you on the <laughs> air, and five 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 one three four cup and uh cups excuse me that would be a full <laughs> telephone number and uh we'll get you on here but yeah uh anyway that's a, a more more of a footnote than anything but we need stuff to talk about so there we go bobby Orr, flying goal uh what a day uh but uh the more serious topic in the nhl this week um a topic i fortunately haven't seen a lot of pushback on but I've seen enough pushback on to really upset me, uh, is the Brendan Leipzig news. For anyone who doesn't know, Brendan Leipzig, who was most recently a forward for the Washington Capitals, I'm kind of stepping on the ending by saying most recently, (laughs) we'll get back there, uh, was uh, basically he had a message chain on Instagram, I think, uh, where he and a group of of friends basically you know it was 
an uncensored message group, but it went well beyond the pale of probably most of the, hopefully, any of the text message groups we have as, you know, normal folks. And it had a lot of um, just degrading comments towards women, disparaging comments towards women and fellow NHL players uh, and the wives of fellow NHL players. Uh, and there was at least one, you know, sort of semi-racial slur, I guess we wouldn't, you know, be as familiar with it in, in America, the kind of native language. But, um, you know, I, I would think that, you know, we have Native Americans, obviously, but I think that kind of language is more common and more divisive in Canada. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I, I'm not going to pull up and read the screenshots if you haven't read them and are interested in it. You can find them pretty easily online, just searching for Brendan Leipzig. But, you know, I just, I think the Capitals did exactly the right thing. I think there's no question that it would have been different if it was Alexander Ovechkin. You know, they probably mm-hmm. would not have placed him on unconditional waivers. And that sucks. That's a reality of sports that is true and kind of sucky. But, um, you know, the I guess, I don't know how you want to talk about it. We can talk about the Brett Hall comments in a minute. But do you want to start with just any comments on what he said, what they did, your thoughts on the response to it? Oh, um, uh, yeah. I mean, I think the response was, was, like we said, good from the Capitals and from, like, the NHL and coming out and saying they don't condone his, you know, his words and behavior and everything. And um, I saw a number of people online saying that, which is good. You know, you had a number of people online saying, you know, this is how a lot of people talk in the locker room and all that. And and I'm, I won't even – I'm not going to say that they were necessarily defending it, but they were trying to, you know – speak from a place of experience and say, hey, we hear this sort of talk a lot, you know, it does happen a lot. And that's unfortunate. And then a number of people saying, hey, you also need to be very careful with what you say in the private setting because anyone could get, you know, information these days on what you're, what you're texting or emailing or anything to people. But I, I didn't like the order that some people put those in. They'd say, you know, hey, this you said some bad stuff. You shouldn't be saying that. But also, guys, make sure you understand that just what you're typing isn't always private. And I was like, yeah, that's true, and like that's a good thing to remember. But also, I don't know. I know we all we all probably say things that we don't want out in public to our friends and everything. But also, just don't be an asshole. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of my takeaway. I don't know whether you want to say he deserves to be put on unconditional waivers for being an asshole or not up to you, but it's just like, don't like, just don't be that person, you know, as a, as a human, whether in private or not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I just, um, and I'm not trying to, I'm really not trying to play a holier than thou card. Cause God knows I've, you know, sent you texts that I wouldn't want people to read, you know, if it was, yeah. you know, whatever it is, complaining about work, complaining about, anything really you know i mean there's there are thing and there are things you say in the heat of the moment that you wouldn't say 15 seconds later mm-hmm. you know but like this is not that this isn't mm-hmm. to me this is just i've never ever been even close to speaking about people like that and i'm not you know i've got a lot of flaws i'm not trying to say that i'm better in any way than anybody else but like i i think if you have a group text message that resembles that in any way that's really a problem and that's really you know that's that's not something that should be allowed and and you know 
I guess that I can kind of introduce Brett Hall's comments about basically went on, I think on Sportsnet, right? I mean, it wasn't, yeah. wasn't some off the cuff interview. He basically said, you know, these are the same sorts of things we said all the time back in the day, but there was no way to get caught. And then he, you know, finished it by saying the game isn't fun anymore. And I'm sorry, but if that's your definition of fun, that's a problem. <laughs> like that's a real, it's a real problem. Like it's, you know, and, and again, I don't, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of time for the locker room talk sort of excuse, you know, but it's not like, you know, they were talking about women that they were attracted to or, or, you know, even just kind of shitting on their friends or, you know, trash talking each other. Like that's the sort of banter you'd be more accustomed to. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, these were really just really negative comments, really thoughtless comments. And yeah, you never expect anybody to see it. Yeah you wouldn't say this to somebody's face, but that's not really so much as an excuse as it is, you know, kind of maybe an indication that you shouldn't be saying it in private either. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you nailed that. It's the whole, like, you know, if you're not going to say it to their face or if it's not something nice to say, you know, like don't say it at all. And it's something too, where like you said, it was a group chat and you and I are in group chats. And if we randomly have one of our friends in a group chat, say something like this, I think at very least you and I would separately be like, what the fuck is going on (laughs) to each other? Like, I don't understand what's happening. Um, And maybe these other people were, but I'd just be like, "Uh, this is really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it would feel odd. And the thing with Brett Hall where he's like, this just makes the game, you know, the game's not fun anymore. I'm like, dude, what, what does this have to do with the game of hockey? Yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. I get what you mean, like the camaraderie, and we're just talking with each other, and you know, boys will be boys and all that stuff. But it's like you can still be a fun-loving group of dudes and not be a bunch of assholes. Yeah, and like again, like I'm not trying to be, you know, I don't care what the NHL players do with their private lives. Largely, <laughs> I don't think groups of NHL players have a lot of trouble, you know, getting dates and you know, <laughs> scoring chicks to use probably Brett Hall's terminology, whether they speak like this or not, you know, like I don't, I've listened to enough spit and chicklets to know what goes on behind the scenes. And like, that's, you know, the, that lifestyle in and of itself, you can debate all day, whether that's good or bad or indifferent, but like, there's such a difference between, you know, whatever that sort of mindset is, you know, that kind of hunting, you know, mentality which is is maybe itself a problem versus like this which is just you know i just i don't i don't know i've never i've never been in a situation where a group of people insulted someone they didn't know you know like it took a lot of time you know to just nastily insult someone they didn't know it's just not anything i've ever i don't know been party to and i guess it's possible Mm -hmm. and and listen that you know what we both said about you know if it's not if you don't have something nice to say don't say it or if you wouldn't say it to their face don't say it we've all failed that standard yeah from time to time it's not like that it's just this seems so beyond the pale you know i think if 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 there'd been a screenshot of one comment you know any any of those comments on their own he probably could have gotten away and said, yeah, that was really a, a you know, a, a stupid, stupid thing to say. I was drunk at the time, whatever, 
you mm. know, and probably be fine. But it was so clearly a pattern of behavior where this group chat existed just to demean people and offend them. And yes, mm. maybe it doesn't hurt them if they never know it. But guess what? Now they know it, you know, and, and now they know how it feels. And, you know, now he can never play in a, in a locker room with Tanner Pearson or Connor McDavid or Jake Vertanen or his line mates who he insulted in the text chain too, like call them losers. I think like, yeah, it's just like with like, especially like you mentioned with the pattern and everything. And just so many people he's thrown under the bus. It's like, this guy can't be, this guy can't be liked in general. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in the locker rooms, I can't imagine this guy is that two faced to be like, Oh no, I can't believe that. Like Brandon Leipzig, such a nice guy, you know, face to face. it's like, there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the weird thing about hockey culture, just in general, especially these days is like, it is that mix of the, like the spit and chicklets mold of guys. And like, for lack of a better contrast, like the Alex Petrangelo, who's like a, just a very quiet family man, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying mm-hmm. he's never done anything of this ilk or didn't when he was younger, but like, if you're in a locker room, I, if, if, Brendan Leipzig's pulling this stuff in, in the Blues locker room, you know, I just feel like, and probably in the Caps, like, I feel like no, probably a lot of people in the Caps locker room didn't know this, because I just feel like it gets shut down, and it's like you're you're just kind of cut out of the team, and, and, you know, it's not, again, it's not an excuse in any way that he was a fourth liner, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, except for the fact that, like, how could you be so stupid when your grasp on an NHL job is so tenuous to begin with, you know, I, I, there was, there was some, I think I was listening to Steve Dangle the other day when he was joking about Martin Morenson must be the nicest person on earth. Cause he keeps oh, yeah. contracts and he's like, he must come in, you know, be early for every practice, bring coffee for the whole team. He just must be the best. And it's like, I would think if you were a third or fourth liner who's kind of like on the fringes of an NHL job, that's the kind of person you would try to be because Mm -hmm. you keep getting jobs that way. And I don't see any reason any NHL team would take another shot on Brendan Leipzig. He's just not, you know, he's a dime a dozen kind of player. And I just don't see what, you know, he's been on like six teams in the last three years. Like, I don't, I just don't understand what the temptation would possibly be for a team to try and take a chance on this guy when you can take a chance on, I don't know, Dimitri asking coming back from the KHL instead or whatever, you know, that's just mm-hmm. the first name that came to my head. But like, you I do just, make a good point though. Like they, like those character guys, those grinders, those third and fourth liners, like you always hear about what great character guys they are. And it's like, I'm sure a, I'm sure they really are, but B it's like the, yeah, you do kind of learn. You might have to sort of be that fun, lovable guy because that's going to mean, you're more you know entrenched with your teammates mm-hmm. and they're like hey we really like this guy and we and he does a good job on the fourth line so yeah like you know your voice or you know your uh, camaraderie that you gain with these these other guys these higher line players might actually keep you in the lineup you know mm-hmm. especially if your play is very interchangeable with other guys yeah and like you know i look at a guy like scotty upshaw who was drafted what like sixth or seventh overall mm-hmm. and like was he even drafted wasn't scotty upshaw drafted super high I think he's the one. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, And then obviously didn't become that kind of player, but then did build this long, long NHL career of being in a supporting role. And he Mm -hmm. was literally on a line that was known for like, you know, 
being hot and going out and getting women and stuff. I forget the name of the line. It's something somewhat degrading, <laughs> but, but like, you know, you can be that and still be, you know, for a, a good person, I guess, you know, like, or not an asshole. Like you were saying earlier, like if that's your lifestyle, I'm not here to cast judgments on it, but like you can do that and not be an asshole. Um, yeah. you know, you can live, kind of the the Barney from How I Met Your Lover, Mother lifestyle and not be a dick about it, too. Uh, and, you know, Scotty Upshaw had a great long NHL career and is loved by everybody who talks about him because he did that. And I, I don't know, it's just... I don't get it. I, I completely agree with the Capitals for just saying, get the hell out of here. We're done with you. Like, they don't need that. They don't need yeah. the asshole. They probably didn't think, you know, that wasn't even a discussion for them. That wasn't even, there was no debate. You know, it's just like, yep, let's go ahead and freaking just kick them down the road because they don't need it. They've got six guys in Hershey who can come up and be Brendan Lifesay. You know? I was like, yeah. And the thing is, too, for the people I saw that were like, they really shouldn't be doing this. Capital shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, okay, so you want them to keep him in the lineup and just have like people pound his face in them? Yeah. Stuff? Like, I'm, to I'm, be I'm, fair, I'm sure some people would say yes to, or like, they're yeah. like, oh, I think that's the, or that's the, the um, punishment he should get. But also, I think the Capitals are kind of doing right by him by getting him out of the mix. Yeah. You know? No, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, he could go and play the Canucks and get his face caved in by Jake Vertanen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. or he could not do that and be alive next week you know like, <laughs> like yeah the dude's just gonna have a huge target on his back he probably already will if he ends up being you know and i don't know the the uh, khl or wherever league he goes to where there might be an nhl player that you know all these people know each other that is friends with you know one of these other guys that he insulted mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's just well and his online mates that's the one that's really like okay then he's gotta leave you know, because he mm-hmm. called his own line mates losers on some, or because they did some podcast or something. And it's like, you know, that's another thing where, like, maybe in its own context, you could read that as, like, more lighthearted and trash talking. But, like, given the, you know, the nature of his behavior, the pattern of behavior, it's like, okay, yeah, he's obviously just a dick and he needs to get out of here. And listen, I say all of this and like there have been a lot of 24 year old assholes who become perfectly decent 30 year old guys like Mm -hmm. it's not like his life is over like he should be punished forever for this but like you know this is a lesson you got to learn and hopefully he's learned it Um, because I just don't think I don't think there's any excuse for that kind of behavior I just don't I'm Mm -hmm. sure some people disagree with me and that's a discussion I guess we could have, but um, yeah, I think we can move on from that. It's fairly well covered. Uh, And talk about the next of our kind of skeletal topics, uh, which is that it kind of seems like the NHL has balked at the possibility of a June draft. Uh, When we last spoke, it seemed like all the momentum was moving towards a June draft. And we had to be. Yeah, and I think we kind of left feeling like we'd probably know it was a June draft by this week when we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there were some reports from, I think, Chris Johnston, among other people who say, yeah, it seems really unlikely right now, but it's not on the table, but it's still on the table, uh, which I think was Bill Daly's quote, because he, he's just really eager to flip those cards. You know, he just job he has. But, um, I, I mean, I guess my first thought is, it's so, so NHL, first of all, to be convinced 
a direction is the correct one and still just not have the cojones to do it. <laughs> like, I think the June draft is a t- terrible decision. But if, like, Bill Daly and, and Gary Bettman are convinced that's the right thing to do, I'd almost respect them more if they were just like, yeah, this is what we're doing. But it's it's even more NHL to me for them to say, well, we can't possibly do a September draft because that would just be shoehorning it in after the season and how mm. could we ever schedule it that quick? But then in the second week of May, they're unwilling to take a June draft off the table, even when the momentum is moving away from that. It's like I just I don't get I don't get that contrast at all. I as we talked about at length last time, I'm glad I would be glad for them not to do a June draft, even though we did a, a mock draft at the hockey writers this week. Um and it was a lot of fun to do it that way because we had the, all the teams kind of make their picks and we got to sort of respond, uh, you know, and if somebody was off the board, they were off the board, you know, so you got to target people and whatever. But uh, so that got me hyped for draft season and it got me more familiar with some of the prospects. And uh, I think I'll probably even research it more. And maybe that's something we can talk about next week is some of the potential players that might be there for the boys later in the round. But um, yeah, I just, I don't think it made any sense to force it into June for a number of reasons. Uh, Corey Promman, who I'm usually like completely on board with, uh, wrote an article about the, uh, some, the title was something like the reasons for a June draft outweigh the reasons to disallow it. And I was just like, no, like I read his article and I was like, your argument is not convincing and I think you actually make the argument against stronger than the argument for, you know, but, um, yeah, I just, I never got it. He, he brought up some interesting points, uh, like scout contracts all end in July usually. So it's like, how do you do that if they're, you know, cause they're supposed to be able to go and join a new team in July, but then they've got all this intellectual property, um, from scouting for another team that, you know, they've got to figure out a way to prevent that being a problem and it could mess with the start of the next junior season. But I just think it's just not, I just think it'd be rushed and a mistake and I think they shouldn't do it. And now it looks like they're not gonna. So that's oh, good, man. I guess. Yeah, it was just silly to watch them. They're they're the friend that uh, won't commit to you on a plan because there's like 50 other options. <laughs> yeah. All of which are like also just, aren't going to happen like well my friend might get free tickets to go backstage to justin bieber concert so mm-hmm. i can't come see your grandma or whatever <laughs> like because there's just a chance he said he knows a guy that knows a guy who's not here in the city yet but it could happen <laughs> <laughs> so i just gotta i gotta stand pat you know that's just yeah you're not gonna do one in june and that's the thing because they said they'll decide this week they they didn't i don't get the feeling that they're gonna decide um this upcoming week, although to be fair to the NHL, it seems like they drum up a lot of uh, news around things and nothing happens, and then they won't talk about anything forever, and then all of a sudden they're like, the draft's today. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> They just do random shit like that, so yeah. maybe this week they will decide, but they have to decide soon because this er- the early June part of it that they really want to do, because I'm guessing they don't want to do it late June, because then you're getting close to There's July, that. which is when they might be doing camps and stuff, so... Mm-hmm you're getting closer and closer to early June without any plan in place. I'm assuming some of these teams not knowing what's going to happen are sort of having, you know, to rush and go, okay, we just got a plan for the draft as if it's going to happen soon. So we actually have a plan, but 
I can't if it if they don't decide this week, I feel like they have to not do it in June because then you're literally giving teams like, hey, we well, got two weeks, <laughs> we yeah. decided. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, but we're not shoehorning it in, and we're giving you plenty of time mm-hmm. on like September when you guys would all know about it. But I mean, how could we even do that? Yeah, like even if you don't know that it's September nineteenth versus September eighth. You know, mm-hmm. like if you know it's after the season for sure, then teams that have lost can switch all of their efforts to draft prep, which is what teams would always do anyway, mm-hmm. you know, as draft and free agency prep. And teams that are still in it can split resources accordingly. But like, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And I guess the other thing we can talk about on the same token, although not on the same topic, is that there seems to be momentum towards a 24-team playoff with some yeah, sort I saw of that now. with some sort of three-game play-in system, which I think is just going to really screw over a lot of favorites in the first round. Um, you know, I I don't you know I do I don't like the idea of being the blues and facing a, let's say a Winnipeg who just beat Minnesota in a three game series and are coming in hot, you know, I mean, I, I think we can beat Winnipeg, Winnipeg fine, but if they've got a running start, that's going to make it a lot harder. And so I think that's, you know, really of advantage to teams that weren't good enough to be solidly in the playoffs to begin with. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I, I personally, I've never seen the problem in just saying point percentage, sorry, or even not point percentage, even, you know, even, I mean, I think point percentage is clearly fairer, but even if you just want to say, sorry, the standings when we can't paused on May or March 15th or whatever it was, those are just the standings. And if you have a problem with that, take it up with the global pandemic that caused us (laughs) to do this, you know, like, you could have won more games, you know, all of the teams they're talking about being really screwed over by this are what, two or three more wins outside of the playoff picture. And yeah, I know you don't plan your season to end in March, but also you plan to win every game, presumably, you know, like your ideal outcome in every game is to win. So it's not like you're, sacrificing wins now to get them in April. In fact, don't most teams talk about building up your points in October and November to like stockpile them for for later in the season when there are injuries and stuff. So yeah, I just, that's weird. I don't think this, I don't think they would do this personally if it weren't for the fact that like, um, who would this include if we did it? I'm looking at the standings now, like Vancouver, Minnesota, Arizona, Chicago. So, like, if Chicago was already in a playoff spot, I feel like they'd be less likely to be like, oh, we need a 24-team play-in, uh, you know, with the four extra teams because they want Chicago, you know, they want a big market in there to generate excitement and everything. And same with uh, the East. You get uh, the Islanders, Rangers, Florida, meh, but Montreal that all get to, you know, play in little games. It's like, oh, we get at this big market and they get more money because um, – there'll be more more hockey on TV and these markets can broadcast it. You know, it's not like they're getting any more money from fans in the seats or anything, but it's, I feel like if any of those teams, Chicago, Montreal, the Rangers were in a solid playoff spot now, they'd be like, well, them's the breaks. And, you know, everyone's in who's in because they don't care if Columbus, you know, 
the Columbus fan base misses or, you know, if like New Jersey misses and things like that, or it's, I just think they're catering to those big markets, which I, I get in terms of like money and everything, but it just seems kind of silly because your Chicago, you know, is at 72 points and like a team that's in the playoffs right now is at like 78. And granted that's the lowest team that's Nashville in the West, but that's still six points up on Chicago and then one less game than Chicago's played. And the weird thing is it's, it's a, just a slippery slope. I personally think because you sit there and you go, Oh, you know, 72 points. Why not Anaheim? Anaheim's only five points behind Chicago. Why is Chicago going to be in Anaheim doesn't and Los Angeles 64 that's a whole, what, eight points behind Chicago. But they won seven in a row before the stop, you know, before the stoppage. Shouldn't we let them see what they can do? So maybe they get hot and they get, you know, they run for the cup at 14th in the last. Like, it's just, why? Draw a line. There has to be a line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just literally there's always going to be a line unless you just expand to a 32-team playoff and make the regular season irrelevant when seattle joins the league you know like that's there's always somebody's always going to get fucked by a point or two Mm -hmm. and that's how it works that's how it's supposed to work like i don't feel like the blues got screwed two years ago when they couldn't get a damn point off the avalanche in the last game yeah what all we talked about that episode the final episode of that season was like how this loss sucked, but like they could have won literally any other game. Yeah. They could have just gone to an overtime I, in a game that they lost I, in, in I regulation. Think we literally looked back at games we lost by one or two goals and was like, "Yep, could have won that. Could have gotten a point out of that. Could have won that in overtime." You know, like that—that's how it works. You know, and the old ref screwed us adage, where it's like sometimes the ref does screw you, sure, but generally speaking, he screws. They screw both teams equally across the whole season so at the end of the day when you lose a game like it was the call it's like well maybe they just should have won despite it you know what i mean uh-huh. the general like maybe you just should have been a better team like we kept saying that's like you can't hold on to this like oh but what about those points we'll just be good yeah yeah <laughs> be best because sure. melania said be best <laughs> that's right no it's just it's yeah it's not hard and you know although i'm here for the florida panthers uh, going on some unbelievable tear and winning the Stanley oh, Cup. Let's do it. Like, look, look what you unleashed upon the world. Is that, are you happy? I would love that happy? too, because then all the players, all the teams right now, <laughs> Toronto, who are saying, well, if we win the Cup, it'll be totally valid, would then suddenly be convinced that this Cup is an asterisk and barely counts and, you know, is a total joke and gimmick. And um, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, it seems like you just have the 16 teams if you want to have a couple of play-in games or series for the two or three teams that are most screwed fine but like the chicago blackhawks were not making the playoffs in -hmm. any world so i don't see why they need a i mean obviously you're correct that it's tv rights and the size of the city and all that but like i don't see why they deserve a shot at a playoffs they were never going to make anyway and it's like, that's another area where it's like, if you can't even figure out what this system's going to be, how do you think you're going to have a draft? You know? <laughs> like, I just, I don't get it. Uh, so the NHL, the o- only other thing about that is it seems like the most most likely method is still probably having the host cities uh, because, you know, it'll be, it'll be especially hard with travel between the two countries. Um, 
So they're looking at, at cities that are largely unaffected by coronavirus, relatively speaking, uh, and also have the hotel capacity and the location within the city to limit, you know, bus travel and stuff like that so that, you know, you're limiting the chance of exposure. Uh, so it sounds pretty likely, as I understand, that Edmonton and Winnipeg are the front runners to be like the Canadian hubs mm. uh, because they're, you know, sparsely pop populated in a way, but big enough to host several teams uh, with, you know, whereas like Ottawa wasn't severely affected, but their arena is so fucking far from everything that they don't want people to travel to it uh good work done or not dundon uh the other bad or melnick oh, like, yeah. uh and then maybe columbus is a potential front runner which is very interesting because like ohio looked like it was going to be uh really hit hard i think at the very you know front edge of the outbreak and i think their governor and you know government really handled it very well and kind of stamped it out so good for them but uh you know i don't i don't know where the playoffs will be i'd be pretty surprised to see them in st louis um you know but uh it'll be interesting to see how that develops if they do go that route uh but yeah it's just i'm excited for hockey but mm -hmm. i'm at that point where i'm like can you just give me some actual plan instead of a lot of rumors yeah like, i, I know. think how hard is, how hard is it to actually be like this is just what we're going to do yeah yeah and i think it's like okay if we have you know if we have a plan then i can really get pumped and like yeah sports are going to be back like we're watching the uh we're watching the load of giants and uh the K kvo korean baseball what's the o organization, organization yeah. <laughs> um, but um you know go a lot of giants loda lada what is it do you know latte i don't know but um yeah, I mean, it's even seeing seeing what little bit I've caught of the KBO was like, holy crap, live sports! Like yeah, I don't, right. I don't think, I think I've I've learned in a way that I can like sort of live a life without sports, which I never expected, but also like I don't think I realized how much they were just passively a part of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, like I would. I would plan my weeks around like, oh, the Blues have games Tuesday and Friday, so I'm not doing anything those nights, you know, <laughs> like not. And those wouldn't be hard and fast, but like generally, like if I was making plans, it's like, yeah, let's do it Monday, Wednesday, Thursday or whatever. And like, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was just even if it wasn't the Blues, like if, you know, if there was sports on, I'd turn it on if I wasn't doing anything else. And now it's like, OK, well, that's not an option. So. Um, yeah, I think we're all going to be very thankful for whatever can come back. Um, and, you know, I think NASCAR is supposed to be one of the first things back, which makes sense since it's very, you know, isolated and, you know, it makes, it works without a crowd more than most things. All the drivers are already wearing sort of, you know, helmets, yeah. apparatuses. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you're losing 30 pounds per race anyway, so virus can't survive. Uh, but, um... You know, I, I feel like even the early NASCAR events are going to be like just hugely watched and, you know, and, and viewed. So it's definitely, you know, it's nice to be kind of seeing the light. Uh, but in the NHL's case, they're just so bad at planning that I'd really like to have something more solid than what we have right now. Do you know, does the NBA have like plans? Have they had the, voiced what they're 
trying to do. They don't have solid plans. I was just reading that they apparently are thinking about kind of some hubs too, like maybe Disney in Orlando would be a hub. Mm. Um, you know, the nice thing about the NBA is like, if you're not going to have fans, you don't need any sort of complicated venue at all. <laughs> you know, you just yeah. need enough space for the teams and cameramen to, you know, record it all. But like, you don't necessarily need to be in arenas. Hockey's a lot harder because you have to be in a venue that can already, you know, make ice, which isn't natural. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know much about the NBA, but I think, you know, I don't know if, if the NHL is kind of trying to look to them again as sort of like front runners as like, hey, can you make a plan so we can just copy off it or what the situation is. But um, I was just going to say, I feel like the NHL, like I hear them making all these plans. I'm not as hooked in the NBA, so I don't hear them making as many plans. And I still believe all of these sports are going to come flooding back and the NHL is still going to be like, well, I don't know. You know, we're trying to figure out, you know, yeah. Place even have an ice rink i'm not sure and it's like oh jesus you guys like we are tr- everyone be careful you know do the you know follow precautions and all but it's like come on you had the sort of uh i think adam on the steve dangle podcast made a good point where it's like you know you have all day every day to plan because there's nothing else you're doing currently mm-hmm. as a job you can you should be able to plan these things fairly easily i get like it depends on the city itself that you're trying to make a hub and everything because they have the rules, they have the regulations. But it seems like there are some cities that are falling over themselves to try and be hub cities for this stuff. And it's like, you know, make a decision, give, at least give people kind of like dates on stuff because it feels like right now they're constantly like, well, we think we'll be back in July. And I'm like, you know, I feel like we're going to get into the middle of June and they'll be like, I think we'll be back in July. I'm like, July is almost a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah. And that's the yeah, thing. That's me just being impatient and just like want, kind of like you're saying, I'm seeing things slowly come back, and now I turn to the thing I enjoy the most. And I'm like, what about you? What are you doing? Well, that's the thing. It's like you gotta, you know, you got so many contingencies with the NHL that other te- leagues don't have to deal with as much. You know, international travel is a big thing, and I know they, you know, a lot of teams sent home European players, so you got to find a way to get all those guys back. And you know, it's all possible. It's all you know, and I, I think the government will work with these sports organizations as much as possible because I think, you know, they, they know it's, it's important in a way, in a manner of speaking and for public morale, it's kind of a really big deal. I think that's one of the things we're learning, but like you can't, you absolutely can't just say, Oh, it's June 12th. I think we'll start on July 1st. Like you have to have, you know, you have to be ready the the government can only help you as much as you allow them to you know and you have to have yeah. an actual plan and and make it possible for for them to coordinate travel and things like that you know they might they might want to gather the european players and fly them in in groups and quarantine them you know and and stuff like that um you know whatever the case is i think you know fortunately a lot of um a lot of you know, European hockey players are from the countries that were less hard hit by this, Finland and Sweden, you know, that sort of thing. Russia, I don't, I don't know Russia's numbers, but, um, you know, so it's not like they were in Italy or, or Spain or France, but like, still, you've got to, all of those things are contingencies you've got to work out. Um, and, you know, I think we're, I, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm an idiot. But I feel like we're past the point where it seems like it's not going to happen. You know, I think it's it probably is going to eventually happen. It's just figuring out the specifics of like when and how and what. You know, <laughs> so it'll be interesting. Yeah. Give me something. <laughs> <laughs> Give me news. Give me solid news. We had Dougie did some work for us that for those first few weeks especially the first few True. weeks after we stopped uh, meeting in person to dis- to record. He gave us some stuff, but now it's the wells dried up. Uh, I was um, I was surprised, I think, at the debate that broke out. I wrote I wrote an article over um, what uh, who would who would take over as blues captain if Alex Petrangelo did leave. And, I, you know, I want to preface this with, I think. I think you and I are both still more on the side that it's likely he'll stay, that they'll figure out a way to keep him. And I think, you know, all pretty much all the reports I read are like, yeah, he's probably going to stay there. Toronto people are saying that too. Toronto just signed an international defenseman who, you know, presumably is taking up cap and ice time that might've gone to Petrangelo if they're the big bidder. Um, but, uh, in you know, if he resigns, then we'll never have this discussion for like eight years. So might as well have it now and just have the the interesting, you know, discussion of who would take over for him if he did leave. And I th- I think I was really surprised to see the the intensity of some opinions, but also the the difference of some opinions. I think I I think I largely got the the ones people talked about the most i wrote the article and made kind of meaningless sort of off the cuff odds for for how um each one how likely each one was but i think i put ryan o'reilly as the most likely and vladimir tarasenko was the other kind of favorite they were at three to one and seven to one and then in my kind of underdog category i put colton pareko at 15 to one and Braden shin at 25 to 1 and then in the long shots i put alexander steen at 50 to 1 and robert thomas at 100 to 1 um i think a couple of things jumped out at me from the debate that this started on our twitter um alex steen was really divisive which i'm not yeah. i'm not shocked by that because that's been true in blues fandom for a while but a lot of people felt like, yeah, I mean, let you know, it's kind of symbolic. But like, if Steen's gonna be here another year, give it to him as an honorary thing, and then pick a new captain when he retires. Uh, and a lot of people felt like, no, do not do that. <laughs> um, and I, you know, and I kind of fall on the side that like, I don't really care if they do that, but I'd be pretty surprised if they did at this point. Uh, yeah. But the other thing that really jumped out at me was I was surprised at how much support there was for Braden Shin. Um, just because, uh, if, you know, I think I think Ryan O'Reilly, I guess, does a lot of the things that I think would make Braden Shin a good captain. Um, mm-hmm. And I mostly put Shin on there because it's like, hey, he's at least already under contract for a long time. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's shown on ice leadership capabilities. He's you know, stood up for the team, gotten in scraps. He's a good player. Like, I, I don't think we'd be disserved to have him as our captain. Uh, but I was surprised to see the support for him. So what did you think, you know, about, I don't know how much you monitored the debate. I think you read some of it because it's coming up on your phone too, presumably. But uh, mm-hmm. what did you think about all that, about the options, any of that? 
Um, you know, I understood for sure the Ryan O'Reilly and the Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, Ryan O'Reilly, I think, is much more your prototypical NHL captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not not a scrappy guy, not really like a not a scrappy leader like Bacchus was or something like that. Mm-hmm. Much more, I would think, um, maybe a cerebral leader. I think actually with O'Reilly, you're probably going to get a lot of the same stuff you get with Petrangelo. Mm-hmm. But honestly, just a, he's, I know he probably talks a lot to these guys, but he strikes me as a much more um, leading by example than rallying the troops. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, whereas I feel like Alexander Steen, from what we've read during that time period where there was a rift in the locker room or there was supposedly a rift, Steen seems like a lot more like a, a player's captain, you know, if you where he's very much talking with everyone, tries to include everyone and everything. And so, so yeah, Ryan O'Reilly made sense. Uh, Tarasenko made sense because it was like, well, he's kind of like the face of your franchise. And a lot of the times uh, with captains, that kind of goes that way. You know, I mean, Alexander Ovechkin is a great player, obviously, but I don't even, I don't know that much about him personally. doesn't necessarily seem like a captain to me, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I get that that's, he fits that sort of um, mold where it's like, this guy's just so good. And he's the face of this franchise. He has to be the captain sort of thing. It's like, okay, that's good. And I think Tarasenko, well, probably quieter in the locker room again, leads by example. Seems like a guy that hustles a lot too out there now, especially in his career. So Makes sense. Braden Shen makes sense, but I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it makes sense on this team. If that. If that makes sense, where it's like there's so many other options, where I feel like he's kind of takes a back seat to them. And again, I think he's much more of a backus captain. You know, where I think he sure he leads by example, but I think he's also very much like like we talked about a scrappy guy, um, get some fights stuff. I think that's obviously honestly other than being a, a good player is the reason a lot of people see him as captain because that's sort of been what our captains have been in the past. You know, your, your Chris Prongers, your David Backuses, your, I'm even your, um, your Brian, Brian Sutters and everything where it's just like, these are guys that are just, I mean, they're very good players, but they're also just very scrappy players. They're very blue collar. Yeah. I think that's why he gets a lot of traction or my brain chef will get a lot of traction here. But again, I just think there's personally just better options. And really the one for me that I like a lot, uh, and I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth here because I think he's just like Braden pretty much, is uh, Alexander Steen. But the problem again is I understand that, you know, next year is is finally on his contract and probably unless we want to sign him to one more year and just see what he's got in the tank or whatever, next year's his last year with the blues probably and so mm-hmm. it's like i get not giving him the c just because you're like well you got to give it to like the future of the team you don't want to just give it to some old guy just for a year so i'm i'm on board with that i wouldn't be as a fan of steen i wouldn't be offended by that and obviously he wouldn't be either but i think a couple years earlier you know say he's just younger perhaps yeah. you know and steen or in uh, petrangelo leaves i think it's for sure steen you know i think steen yeah. at what how old is he is like 33 34 steen at 30 is the next captain for sure because yeah. like this is just petrangelo's been here as long as steen has a steen you know pretty much exactly and to me um where petro's the the defense you know i think steen's just the forwards just because he's been here so long and he's just been a reliable player yeah he just to me is the St. Louis Blues forwards. 
And I think in terms of length of being here, in terms of just being a guy that's vocal and talks with all the players and seems to be a, a, a big um, locker room favorite, you know, maybe the locker room favorite, I think he also just embodies what it means to be like a, a St. Louis blue and everything. And uh, I think it's just, yeah, it just, I don't know. I, when I look at him, I think, yeah, that's like, a, that's like a captain. And the fact that he's, he's vocal on the ice, he's vocal on the bench. He is vocal with the, the refs for sure. <laughs> you know, he just, <laughs> he seems to have um, an underratedness about him around the league too. Like I said, he's the kind of guy that, I think in any other market, they talk about a lot more as being like just, you know, that that veteran that we all love to talk about. But because he's in St. Louis, you know, I'm not trying to say he's buried. People know who he is. But again, if I talk to you about Alexander Steen and uh, Philadelphia, they're like, yeah, I've heard that name. Yeah, that's that guy's probably pretty good, you know. Yeah. But they don't know who the hell that is as a yeah. fan. So it's like he just he checks all the boxes for me. Personally. Things are falling down behind me again. Uh, yeah, I just think, I think it's kind of sad last year that, you know, Joe Thornton was around to get all the, well, we got to win it for Joe sort of talk, because like, I think there was a really kind of a lost narrative in there that both Jay Bo Meester and Alex Dean were getting their very first chance at a Stanley Cup, not, mm-hmm. not to mention their, eventually their first victory, but, um, yeah, I mean, Steen... I had logic for why each one was on there, so I guess I can run through that real quick. I mean, O'Reilly seems pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he won the Selkie and the Con Smythe. He's, you know, been an alternate other places. He was, you know, he's, he's outspoken. He's quite, you know, he's quiet, but he's not afraid of expressing his opinion. He's mm-hmm. obviously arguably your best fa- player, and he's eating the most minutes of any forward by a long shot. So. You know, he's pretty, I mean, he's a pretty clear option. Uh, Tarasenko, you know, I think I I worry somewhat about, like, can he really step into the team leader role? But he obviously has that role in the community. He's a beloved player. He's been here forever. Uh, he's a star forward. Um, and he wears, you know, he does wear his the team on his sleeve, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no, there's no question he's committed. And I think, you know, he... As I as I understand, and this is more rumor and innuendo than anything, he was kind of hurt that he wasn't chosen as captain last time, um, mm. which is not a reason to choose him this time necessarily. <laughs> if, you, if you really don't think he's the right guy, but if he really thinks he can mature into that role and step into it, then maybe you do. Um, and those guys, uh, O'Reilly and and Tarasenko are both alternates right now, right? Yeah. Um, so that makes sense. Pareko. Pareko's the one, maybe to me, that doesn't fit as much just because I don't really see him occupying that leadership role right now, but maybe that's because Petrangelo's here and already doing it. But he would probably have the most minutes of anyone on the team if Petrangelo left. I think he's second as it is. Uh, He'd be your, you know, cornerstone right-handed defenseman. I assume if Petrangelo leaves, they're going to sign Pareko long-term. So he'll be around for a long time. Um and I think he, you know, I think he could probably step into a more of a leadership role. Uh, he's not like a silent type. He's just not very vocal or very front and center. Shen was, you know, honestly, I throw him in the article mostly, you know, he does have that gritty personality, but mostly it was like, okay, this is the guy that you know isn't going anywhere. 
you know, like mm-hmm. if you if you just want some stability uh, for for however long this cup window lasts, like O'Reilly and Tarasenko, like presumably you're going to try and re-sign both of those guys, uh, and it's probably not that big a risk of losing either one. But like that, they, they have three years left, and Shin has nine right now. You know, so it's not it's not comparable. Uh, yeah. And then Steen, you know, I think you made the case for Steen great, and I kind of agree with your case for him. And I really wouldn't hate, I wouldn't have any problem with them giving it to Steen. <laughs> you know, I said, I think a lot of the debate against Steen on Twitter was, I don't want to cast aspersions on anyone's judgment, but I think a lot of it was motivated by more personal animus and dislike for him as a player and kind of a misunderstanding of his importance because of his contract. Like, obviously, the player we have are paying is not worth $5.3 million or whatever it is, but the the role he plays behind the scenes is so much bigger than his on-ice output. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I saw some people on the on Twitter saying, well, like, Mackenzie McEachern is more important to the Blues than Alex Steen, and it's like, come on. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like, like, you know, like, I don't know. I don't understand. Like, I, some people are pissed that he gets paid as much as he gets paid. Got it. But again, not really his fault, but he signed the contract he was offered. But also, like, two, I've been moment to moment or even, you know, parts of seasons to parts of seasons, but like, man, Steen, I just don't, I don't really like Steen or, you know, I don't like what he's, his game anymore and doesn't age well and yada, yada, and this and that. And even in the past when these, this team wasn't doing well and got bounced the first round, you know, do we need to keep Steen? Do we trade Steen? Stuff like that. But when I like remove myself from those moments and I look at his career and with the blues, I'm just like, he's just such a, such a stalwart and I'm just mm-hmm. glad that he's here and I'm glad we had him. And it was such, I mean, not to mention just the bonkers trade that got him here. Right. Um, it's just like one of those things where I, I don't know why people don't like him. If it's the contract thing, I get it. I think it's silly, but I understand, but anything beyond that, I feel like he's always tried his hardest. And sometimes when he hasn't, I think he's just been injured. And like, sometimes maybe he hasn't. And I would just point that all the other players, that <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There's been so many where I'm just like, really, did you think steam was like this big fucking issue? And like Bacchus and Oshi and, you know, Perron and Berlin, all these dudes weren't showing up. That it was like, oh boy, the steam guy. It's like, he was one of many, but like, he's, I think he's risen to the occasion much more, many more times than any of those guys have, you know, in the yeah. past. And it's I like, mean, I don't know. He carried this team for like at least a season and a half alone. Uh-huh. And the dude was scoring like 30 goals and no one else, if you forget, was scoring like any goals. Uh-huh. So I get that's in the past and all this other stuff, but I just don't, I don't understand why people don't like Alexander Steen. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, what have you done for me lately mentality. And yeah. honestly, like, I don't think they'd ever retire number 20, but I think there's a discussion and you can't say that for a lot of people. You know, you mm-hmm. talk about, the numbers the Blues have retired are, you know, the Plagers, McKenna's gas off, the Hall, Federko, and now Pronger we know is going up next year. Mm-hmm. Four of those or so are Hall of Famers. And the other four, Gasoff died young, and that's why he got his number retired. You know, I'm not... He was a fine player. I'm not insulting him, but that's just the reality. And the Plagers were not at all great on ice players they just had an outsized importance to the team um mm-hmm. and Sutter too it's like you know he's he's kind of in a way what Steen is if Steen had worn the C 
you know, Steen had gotten the scene when Bacchus left and was just captain through the cup win if everything else had stayed the same, you know, and he'd just been the captain through the cup win and was captain for this year and next year. Like, he probably would, there would be a very real conversation about retiring his number because he's just been a steady force. And and I do hate that kind of, what have you done for me lately? Because, look, every player is going to age. Every player is going to, you know, be not as good as they used to be. You know, it's <laughs> Jay Vomeister did it, you know, before his incident. And then also Jay Vomeister got better and was not that way as much anymore. Like it goes in stages and like, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, Alex Steen is not as, as good a hockey player as probably Sammy Blay right now, but like his importance, I would say is, is, on the top tier on this in the locker room, you know, behind the scenes leading by example. And, 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 you know, I, I'm not necessarily even making the case for make him captain. Cause I'd still probably just say, O'Reilly seems really obvious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, I'm, all of that still to say, like, I don't, I, yeah, I just don't get the, I don't get the disrespect for Steen. And I think a lot of it is just kind of imagined, behind the scenes conflict that we don't have any real knowledge of. Um, and, you know, I, I hate to say this, but I did the NHL. So I wonder if some of it is if Alex Steen is truly Canadian instead of Swedish Canadian, we don't have this problem, you know, like I, I, that's just tends to be an NHL sort of mindset. And I wouldn't be shocked if that was a play here too. Uh, Robert Thomas was on there just because, you know, I think it's extremely unlikely that they make him their captain. But that would, you know, that would be a, a commitment to the long-term future of the captaincy in this team. <laughs> uh, and I think if you were going to go off the board, he's kind of the, the interesting pick because, you know, you, you could very much see him being the next captain, like after mm-hmm. whoever gets chosen now. Uh, so maybe, you know, you kind of take out that and try to do the kind of Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby thing. Um, he's, I'm not saying he's Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby. I'm just saying in the sense that you're like <laughs> making a young guy, your centerpiece, um, you know, cause in terms of building for anything past this year or next, he really is a centerpiece. So, uh, but with all of that said, I think they don't go that way. I just thought it was kind of an interesting name to discuss. Um, make it Vince Dunn. Just make it Vince Dunn. Yeah, sure. Be done with it. I'd be, I'd be happy for that. So uh, if you had to choose the next captain, Ian, who would it be? Um, I think, it, man, it is hard because I feel like it should be O'Reilly, but I also feel like it's kind of, in a weird personal way, like a little bit of a disservice to Tarasenko just because he's been there so long and, yeah. and this is only O'Reilly's second year here. But I think that aside, I think I would make it Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, I think I would probably go with O'Reilly, but I think, you know, if you think that's going to create any problems, I have no problem doing Tarasenko because I think O'Reilly would not really hate. Yeah, I feel like he just wouldn't. I don't think he'd care that (laughs) much anymore. Yeah, I don't. I To me, nothing changes if Ryan O'Reilly becomes captain. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just kind of like, okay, now this is a C instead of an A. And I'm going to do all the same stuff. You know? <laughs> well, I'm going to take the opening face-offs. That's the difference. And I'm going to throw them when I'm on the road because I would otherwise win them. But, um, 
That'd but, be great if you want to like a, a tear when they're like, dude, this is like a ceremonial face off. He's like still wins it. That old, uh, it was, I don't think it was Madden. I think it was a 2K game or something where uh, they were doing motion caption with Marshall Falk and they asked him to fumble for the motion captain and cap- capture. And he's like, I don't fumble. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but it's for the game, Marshall. And he's like, I don't fumble. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, so just use your use your nerd brain and make it look like I'm <laughs> I don't lose face offs. Yeah, yeah, but it's ceremony, you know. Cancer mom. It's 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 hockey fights cancer. I don't I, I don't lose face offs. I'm sorry. Because I definitely don't lose ceremonial face offs. <laughs> That's, That's right. These are so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I think I'd, you know, f- at the end of the day, it would probably go O'Reilly too, but I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hate if any of those names gets it. It's just yeah. going to be interesting. Um, and I did see a few write-in votes for Jaden Schwartz, which I think the only risk there is he's only got a year left on his deal. And also he can't read. And he can't read, which could be a problem. Uh, but, um, you know going forward if if you plan to resign him and don't think that's going to be an issue then i'm don't hate that necessarily i think he's another lead by example type but yeah it'll be interesting and and honestly i hope that they don't ever have to make that decision because i really don't want alex petrangelo to leave so um you know i'd rather that be the case and then we'd be fine uh that is the end of our, our four discussed topics, Ian. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? That is the end. Um, I don't like... So, okay. So, if you play NHL 20, I don't like that sometimes when you check someone and they and the animations are falling down because you hit them on the board so hard. Normally, it's the boards. They're falling down. They have lost control of the puck. But the puck remains somewhere in their, like, hit box. Somewhere yes. in their, like physical space where i can even see it sometimes but my player can't get it because they're like can't invade this like space circle this area that this player is is in this opposing player that i've knocked down and so they're getting up slowly because i've just obliterated them they're getting up slowly and it takes only five seconds and then the next person you get the puck is that player yes. and not mine it absolutely infuriates me NHL, uh, NHL in general, chill, yeah. if you will, is so frustrating. And the thing I always struggle with is the jump from like pro to all star or whatever the names are. Because like I'm playing, you know, I'll play a franchise or even if I'm playing like be a pro or whatever, which I think is where I spend more of my time these days because I think it's, it's less, this is less true in be a pro. Mm-hmm. And plus, you know, who doesn't love playing two unsimulated seasons as a North Bay Battalion and then giving up as soon as you're drafted into the NHL because who cares anymore? Uh, because you got <laughs> drafted by the friggin' stars. Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, like I'll play on pro and I'll win like nine to eight, nine to nothing or nine to one, you know, or like eight to zero or, you know, four to two or whatever, you know, I'll never lose. I'll get huge scores. I'll, you know, have five goals in the first period, and it's boring as hell. And then I turn it to all-star, and I can't stop anything. My goalies mm-hmm. are useless. Uh, you know, there are no penalties against the opposition. That's ever, you know, because, like, they don't 
I don't know. There's just hardly ever. I get hardly ever. I, yeah. I swear I've even had the animation on one of my players where it's like they got hooked, you know, mm-hmm. the weird sort of like, oh, they're holding their side and they're moving slower and nothing happens. Yeah. Like, so the animation's even happening, but just because the, you know, the sliders, wherever it is, like, well, we're not going to call that one. Yeah, for sure. So I don't. So maybe that's realistic at least. You so, know? so then I have to like slide down all the sliders in my favor to find a balance, which I can do, but I just like, I've never understand why stood why that leads is so gargantuan you know Um, oh man yeah playing on all stars the weird like it goes from a game where you can make the decisions you sort of want to make to like this thing where like you cannot make a mistake because there's been a number of times where i'm like all right i'm just gonna toss it up the boards and they pick it off right at the line and i've even thought to myself i'm like i'm gonna try and defend this but i bet you somehow it goes in in the next five seconds and it always does yeah and they get one timers no problem it's just it's so frustrating. And I think some of it is like, you've really got to play your role and let your defense play with you. But that's so kind of antithetical to the mindset of playing with CPUs and in, in video games, you know, like it's just, it's hard, yeah. to, it's hard to train yourself to do that. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I still like a lot of their, you know, they've got an, exp- they've expanded the franchise more recently, mm-hmm. which is nice because most video sports video games are like neglecting offline franchises in lieu of, in, you know, in favor of the kind of pay to play modes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's still, there's a lot of frustration with chill. I will say, I think to me, the best sports sim right now is still MLB the show in terms of just like, I still want to throw my control through the t- TV frequently, but not as frequently. <laughs> um, That's an improvement. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, uh, Overwatch is life anyway, so it doesn't really matter. There are yeah. no, no hero pools anymore, so, uh, you know. All as well. Pick the one you like. Yeah, that's right. Unless, pick, pick Reinhardt. You got to pick Reinhardt. That's, right. unless that's you're, the deal now. Unless you're good enough to be where they have hero pools, but that's well out of my reach. So I can't wait till those people complain. I'm sure that, you know what I mean? I'm just like, most of your population will complain now, except for some of your population. We, you'll, you know, soon remove that from their thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a good game, though. I like it. Overall. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, get it. Get get on it. There, in uh, Overwatch 2, there's going to be a Toronto map. So there's that. Oh, is there? Toronto. Mm-hmm. You start is one of your spawns. Is that where, spawn... like, Deer Blizzard is headquartered? <laughs> in Toronto? No, I think they're in California somewhere. I want to say. Okay, that would so. make sense, yeah. I think the Toronto map is like a new, a new like game mode. It's like this thing that's essentially like tug of war. I think there's like two, what is that? It's like two blocks more or less, like barricades that start in the middle of the map, uh, or on your, or maybe they start on your side of the map. And no, maybe it's the middle of the map. Might be the middle of the map. And you activate this robot, and it's essentially a payload. And so when you're on it, it moves in the direction you'd like it to, like towards the enemy's base. And when they're on it, it moves towards your base. And so it's like trying to push the robot to like their base versus yours. And uh, it's, it's very interesting, but the, one of the spawns for the Toronto map is like a, a, what is it? A curling, a curling center or something. I believe. Uh, ooh. So, you know, very on brand for Canada. Yeah. Did they have the big gate or the big uh, fountain? Is that like a spot? I think that might be. I hope it would be. That'd be a shame if they didn't include it. Uh, and before we go, uh, I found an article on teenvogue.com. 
Suppose is it Teen Vogue, Teen People? One of these things supposedly is like hard hitting articles. Well, I, I don't think it's Teen Vogue. But okay. <laughs> uh, this is twenty <laughs> questions to ask your best friend, um, and uh, you know they're not. There's way more than twenty questions for one thing. Um, <laughs> well, they're, they're very accused of being smart at Teen Vogue. <laughs> right. I just thought you know we could discuss a couple of these before we got out of here. Uh, number 16 is a fun one for you because you tend to remember this and it tends to be wacky, but I never do. So, uh, what did you dream about last night? Oh, what did I dream about last night? I feel like you remember your dreams and I never, like, I don't remember any of my dreams. Man. Or do you remember like a recent wacky dreams? Because you've you've had some strange ones. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember any from last night, but there... Damn, where what was there? There was one where I was like at college and they wouldn't let me they they were letting people in slowly to take this test, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a test of a college, a college that I don't recognize, but it was a college. <laughs> and uh they let people in slowly and then I got let in towards the back, towards the end, but they ran like a timer from the beginning of when the first person line went in to like when the last people come in and the timer wasn't enough time for everyone to get done, but that's what <laughs> had to be done. <laughs> so like when you were let in at the back, you were like, well, do you have 10 minutes now? And I was like, what? And so like, I didn't finish. And then when I got out of the classroom, the some professor was like, he didn't finish. So now we're like calling the cops. <laughs> I was like, oh no. And then I woke up. So they're fun. They're lots of fun. That's terrific. Uh, number 19 on the list, where do you want to travel the most? You've traveled a lot. Uh, I've traveled mm-hmm. a fair amount, but not as much internationally as you. So is there some place you'd like to go back to or some place new you'd like to visit? Oh, man, that's so hard, too, especially when you've, like, I've gone to probably what's considered a very small amount of places by, like, a lot of traveler traveling people's standards. Mm-hmm. But, like, for me, I feel but like it's a medium amount. Big ones. Like yeah that. yeah like going to like the to like france and germany and the uk and then japan and um, korea and then having gone to toronto before and a number number of places around the u.s but like it's so hard at this point because like a lot of i liked a lot of the places i've gone to and mm-hmm. so i'm always like oh i'd like to go back and experience more of that but i'm also like oh but i haven't been to enough different places so i also feel like i need to do like different ones you know um i like to go to ireland ireland would be cool yeah um i'd i'd like to go to australia even though everyone that i've met from australia tells me like like why bother (laughs) (laughs) i'm always like man what's going on down there i feel like they're keeping a secret or they just i've also dropped a google person you know into the middle of like melbourne before Uh and there was like a target there and i just remember kind of and it looked like i was in manchester so i'm also (laughs) kind of like do they know where i live have they seen have they seen enough American media? <laughs> Are they I'm like, I'd love to go to Australia. And they're like, no, you wouldn't. Because I've seen where you live and it's the same. Thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like um, I've, I've traveled. I've been fortunate to travel a fair amount within the U.S. and some outside. I've gone to Kenya a couple of times. Uh, my whole family is German. So Germany has always been a big one for me. I want to see like Neuschwanstein, especially the castle built by a madman in southern Germany. Oh, um, it's really cool. Uh, a weirder one is Iceland. For some reason, I'd, I really mm. like to go to Iceland. I think it's just a beautiful country. And uh, and then the the most accessible one, which I really should just do sometime, is uh, Vancouver. I really just I think Vancouver's really 
pretty and it's a nice city and we you know can watch a canucks game or something so that'd be really um, cool and we've talked i know you and i have talked about traveling somewhere a lot so you know when we're allowed to travel again we should really get on that i know i was get, like get it done too. before the next pandemic comes. yeah gotta get it in between the spikes that's right <laughs> A uh, couple more of these. These are fun. These are interesting. Uh, this is a you know a, a classroom icebreaker classic. What's oh. one thing most people don't know about you? Uh, I feel can, like can I tell can I tell you I hate those. Oh, I hated yeah. those. Oh, so I much. despise them. There, there's a thing most people don't know about us. Uh, <laughs> I feel like a thing I don't talk about on this podcast much is that I played violin from third grade through high school and still own a very nice violin don't play it nearly as much as i should or would like to but um you know i could pick out some suzuki for you and and probably still play it adequately so that's a thing and even i forget i got a uh, ukulele for uh, my birthday from my former college roommate who probably wouldn't have bought it for me if he'd lived with me uh but i'm <laughs> i'm trying to pick that up too so that's been fun Oh, man. They have yeah, capos for ukuleles, which are real tiny. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't do it enough, so it's not really a surprise that you did. But I definitely was in private lessons and played in orchestra and all that jazz, except not actually that much jazz because it's, not... <laughs> it's a much more structured instrument. <laughs> <to play. laughs> um, Look, there's rules. <laughs> that's right. Um, man, I was, I hate this one especially all the time because I'm always like, uh, I don't know, some boring thing, you know. Uh huh. Um, uh, there was one. What was I thinking? There was one. Oh, I was, I was in a band in college. We played no music, but I would, but we did call ourselves a band and we did plan on playing music. I never knew this. Did you have a name? Uh, Mindgasm. <laughs> Terrific. I love because it. we were I fun. Love it. We were so funny. Um, yeah, no, we, we even had a band like photo shoot for like the cover of what would be our album that had no music <laughs> i love it did this you, is what did you do when you're bored in the dorms what's that did the album have a name uh, i don't think so probably self-titled you know that's fair that's fair we had we had two so we had i have two friends they both played instruments still play instruments and like you know at a beginner's level but like better than i can play an instrument right um and they were like we're gonna play real basic music and we're going to write songs. And they even wrote a few songs that like were, you know, two minutes long or something. And they're like, yeah, we like these. And so I was like, this is cool. I want to drum for you guys. And they're like, can you drum? And I was like, I can not. And then I had a friend of mine lived across the hall that was like, oh, he's like, I can play a little keyboard. We should like, let's start a band. And they were like, well, we kind of just want to do our thing. And we're like, yes, it's cool. We will too. And they were like, all right. And we, I think we just threw him off the rails and we were, we were never to be, I used part of the story in my friend's, uh, in my, in my best man speech at my friend's wedding. And it was, that was a good received speech. well. I should have, the only regret I have in that speech is I wish I would have planned a little further ahead with somebody to have like a projector of some kind there. So I could show people these awful, awful pictures. We took. <laughs> that would have been terrific uh we'll do two more of these because they're both interesting to me this one's very high society uh, oh boy. but my answer is very low society <laughs> what book has impacted you the most uh which is a very uh, first world problem sort of question but um 
for me, it's probably Harry Potter, sadly. <laughs> Just the series in general. I mean, I've read a lot of good books. I was an English major, so I've got a lot of favorite books. But, like, in terms of what's, you know, meant the most to me throughout life, it's it's probably Harry Potter, sadly. Man, books, like, I to me, I've always thought, like, it was sad, though. I was like, the one book I liked in high school that they made this read that I actually was like, oh, I like this book a lot, was uh, 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, good because you're living it now buddy. yeah i was like yeah i'm like oh okay well great um yeah book that impacted me the most yeah i feel bad because i'm not like as much of a reader as i always feel like i should be whenever yeah. people are like oh I, and i like my sister took all of those genes my sister reads all the time uh-huh. your, sister, um, your sister margaret my sister margaret which is yeah my my uh revolutionary war sister margaret <laughs> That's a whole different story, but... Uh, um, man, I did read Harry Potter. Harry Potter is interesting to me because I'm like, I read Harry Potter, but I read each of them once, and the last one I read was right after it came out, so I haven't read Harry Potter since 2007. Um, and so whenever I read, whenever I watch the movies, like, now I realize that all my memories are, like, of what's in the movie, oh. you know? And so if I go back and read the books, I'm like, oh, there's all this, like, side story stuff that I completely forgot about. Yeah, I don't know. I guess one of them actually that I really liked, and I don't, I guess I just say I liked it a lot, was um, Grapes, was it Grapes of Wrath? Grapes of Wrath. I liked Grapes of Wrath yeah. a lot, which is weird because it's very slow uh-huh. and very just kind of, I mean, you know, sad and of course depressing, but it's just kind of, I remember it feeling like um, I was looking in on a world that I was glad to not be a part of, but I like desperately wanted to like understand mm-hmm. or know more about, you know? living in it <laughs> yeah now we're also on that so 1984 you know grapes of wrath mash them together you got 2020 i will say one book i'm reading very slowly right now is moby dick for the first time it's mm. actually much more readable than i thought really it's, it's more compelling to read like i always thought it was obviously phenomenally well written but it would be like a really slow just like kind of grinding through it sort of read but it's actually it's it moves pretty quick i mean it's still hugely long and i'm still not making as much progress as i'd like to but i like it overall i hope he gets it i hope he gets that one (laughs) that way oh yeah maybe have a different ending this time Uh, the last question, a little more goofy, a little more silly. Uh, if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? I feel like I know your answer. Mm. Or I, I like I know kind of the, the direction of your answer, but prove me wrong. I'm I'm curious. Man. Can it can it be like a, can it be like a loose category yeah. of food? So like my answer I feel like would be well if it's if it's a category it'd probably be Mexican food. If it's got to be a little more specific, it'd probably be pizza, just because there's enough variety. <laughs> you know, like, it's... I like it. I feel ashamed to say that, but, like, you can do, like, one night can be Hawaiian pizza. Yeah. One night can be veggie pizza. One night can be cheat. you know. At least there's some variety. Yeah, no, don't be ashamed. I just thought it was funny because you're like, I'm broadly Mexican, and then I was like, if it's one thing, though, you're like, I'm yeah, thinking right. he's zoning in on a burrito, he's zoning <laughs> in on tacos, he's like, it's gonna be pizza. You're right. <laughs> I'm like, Steve, that. I hope you know that that's more of an Italian, really American food. Well, there is a, there Mexican. Is a Mexican pizza, though, perhaps oh, you're not familiar. Well, what, a, what a travesty. <laughs> How do you feel about uh, pineapple on pizza, by the way? You know, I'm 
It's not my first choice, but I will eat it. Yeah. Uh, to, to quote Joel McHale in Community, pineapple on pizza is like Paul Rudd. I see the appeal and I would never take it away from anyone, but I also wouldn't stand in line for it. <laughs> um, I just think I would never go out of my way to order pineapple on pizza, but if it's there, I can eat it. Yeah, like I'm not, it doesn't gross me out completely. I'm not. I do feel I, like most people that like it are taking a stand, though. You know, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They They're actually like... enjoy it. They're like, dude, no, this is great. And it's like, is it though, or is it just fine? And you want to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, like I'm being healthy. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's a real, that's a, that's a swing and a miss. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, just because you put a, like, a lettuce leaf on, on top of that pile of sugar doesn't mean it's any better for you. That's right. Um, I, pizza's a good answer, I feel like, but I feel like I could Bacon do. <laughs> God damn it. No. Um, I think as a category, I would say Thai food. Really like Thai yeah, that's food. kind of what I was thinking. Sort of if I was like a specific, a little more specific, kind of like you're saying pizza, but there's a variety in it, I think it would be more like um, like a hot wings, a buffalo wing sort Ooh, of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Ooh. There's a lot of variety there. Yeah, I love wings. So good. Um, I'm so hungry right now. Yeah, I like it. Well, then we better get you off and get you to dinner. Uh, that was good. A good hour and a half, though. We got it. We got most of the way there, so I'm proud of us. Uh, we sauntered to the finish line. Perhaps, perhaps we'll revisit Teen Vogue next weekend for questions like, what's your earliest childhood memory? And what's your all-time favorite dessert? And perhaps... Do you like roller coasters? Spoiler alert, <laughs> I don't. Uh, but, um, yeah, we, uh, as always, if you have things you'd like us to discuss, please send them in. Cause please help. We're, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're stuck in semi-quarantine now, and I think we will be reunited, you know, before super long, but not yet. And, uh, you know, we need we need topics, so hit us We're up. We're crowdsourcing this podcast. Flood the TG1C mailbag with your hashtags and your pockmarks. <laughs> 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 and, uh, yeah, I guess until uh, next week, that's all from us, and we'll talk to you real soon. Yeah, talk to you later. They're gonna clean up your looks with all the lies in the books to make a citizen out of you. Because they sleep with a gun and keep an eye on you, son, so they can watch all the things you do. Because the drugs never work, they're gonna give you a smirk, cause they got methods of keeping you clean. They're gonna rip up your heads, your aspirations to shreds, another cock in the murder machine, they say.